This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This is why. This is why. This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This is why I'm hot. This is why. This is why. This is why I'm hot. I'm hot because I'm fly. Welcome back to the Fantasy Hot Read. I'm Adam. Andy's here with me. What is going on, my man? Oh, not much. Just got home from work. Um, trying to catch up on some college football and you know do a little podcasting. Perfect timing. And we've uh, you know just kind of we're in the process of punctuating the preseason, right? We saw uh, Geno Smith have the game of his life and lock up the backup job in Seattle. So all the Paxton Lynch love I had goes away. Um, rolling down, uh, Dominic Petrillo recorded a podcast this week with Jake Olson. Uh, just amazing stuff. Awesome to hear those guys chop it up. If you have not listened to it, please go back and do listen to it. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, and we're going to get in tonight. Me and Andy are going to talk about kind of our 10 takeaways from the preseason. Um, you know, why is that relevant there, Ferris? Um, you know, the, the preseason is full of, you know, there, I think there's like false, false flag type information where you, you might think something's really important, but actually isn't. But, uh, you know, there are some, some definite important pieces that you can take from the preseason in order to get a a jump on your league mates. Yeah. And you can also, um, you know, there are like little indicators and, you know, uh, some of it, I guess is, um, you know, probably confirmation bias, but other times you can see things, you know, if Rashad Penny, for example, spoiler doesn't we're coming is really expensive, you know, in your league and a lot of people are vying for him. You still may be able to get rid of him now and have some people kind of buy into what's going on. Yeah. Right. And you know, if, if there's anybody that you're at all interested in that, played in the fourth preseason game there's a good chance that they don't have a lot going for them this season r.i.p gino so number one for me buddy and i I just kind of alluded to it was chris carson over rashad penny and my my notes were and you should have seen it coming twitter was full all offseason talking about how good rashad penny is and for years a lot of people have maintained including yourself and me uh, that Chris Carson is a really good running back. And through this preseason, what I saw was Chris Carson be a really good running back and Rashad Penny get tackled behind the line of scrimmage for a loss. That, that was kind of the theme. And the, spoiler alert, that's been the theme. Chris Carson has been a really good back for multiple years now. And Rashad Penny has never looked good to me in the NFL. Yeah, so I think that there's like there's one whole in analytical um, analytical like looks at running backs and that's that um, a lot of times people think that production um, takes care uh, like if you get an efficient guy that is productive in college that is how analytics can measure something that's non-quantifiable like vision or, um, you know, even, even contact balance and things like that. But I think when you start straying away from the power five, you can get to the point where there are people that are just so much better athletically than the people that they're playing that it kind of misses out on the fact that they may be 
um, not that great at running back and they're, and they're putting up numbers just based on either scheme or athleticism. And that might be the case with Rashad Penny because, you know, it doesn't seem like he's very good at breaking tackles. His vision does not seem great. And, you know, Chris Carson is, seems like a, a great one cut running back with lots of power and ability to elude uh, tacklers, whether it be breaking, breaking tackles or running around them. Um, I just think that Chris Carson is, that actually levels above uh, Rashad Penny. Uh, and it's to the point where if I'm a Chris Carson owner, uh, I probably wouldn't even uh, – I'm not a huge handcuff guy because it kind of – at least until the end of the season. But in the start of the season, if you're drafting Chris Carson, I think it would be foolish to handcuff him with Rashad Penny with where Rashad Penny goes ADP-wise. No, absolutely agree. And people forget Chris Carson was really good in college, had some injury and off the field stuff that caused him to slip. Uh, you know, it was during that time frame where people just literally did not pay for running back. You remember there was like about a three or four year span where it just wasn't happening. Um, you know, Sean Alexander kind of set that market, stay away from paying running backs and drafting them high. Um, and, but he is, he's a very good back. And I agree with exactly what you said, which is, I don't think he's just a, like a tier above Penny. I think he's multiple tiers above Penny. So your first one you've got down here is, are the dolphins trying to lose downgrade everyone? Um, so I'm going to let you get into that. And I, I'm just going to lead with like, I don't know that I ever had upgraded everyone. I mean, there was a time where Kenyon Drake was low enough that I was looking at him, but then with, um, Ballage kind of emerging and Drake's ADP rise. I don't think that there's really a dolphin that I want to own. Well, the nice thing is Drake's ADP has gone back down because of, you know, the fact that he wasn't starting at all, but the shopping of Laramie Tunsil um, looking like they're actually trying to trade for a player who's actively saying that he does not want to play for them. Um, Starting your less talented uh, quarterback who was not as successful in the preseason as the quarterback that you just spent a second round pick on. Uh, all of these things almost seem like they're actively trying to lose. And it just has that smell of a possible coaching staff that that could be one and done. Um, I mean, it, it just it seems real bad down there. Yeah, no, you're right, and I, I'm lo- I'm looking at now. You are right; his ADP has fallen, but it's to be honest, it's fallen now to where I'll consider taking him. But I and I know you're the biggest Drake truther ever. That's fine, but I think probably I, if I'm sitting there staring at Drake and Latavius Murray, I feel like I have a tough choice. Like that's a that's a decision to me, and so for me, that's about where he belongs. Yeah, he's he's probably down to where he belongs now. Um... But if for some reason they were to get rid of Laramie Tunsil, I mean, you have to downgrade him even more. Uh, so you have a guy who's possibly not going to start and possibly losing his talented left tackle. Um, it just is, uh, it's, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a fruitful season for the Miami Dolphins in real football or fantasy football. 
So so my second one was that wide receivers 24 through 40-ish are kind of a dead zone, and that's why I've kind of taken the approach of hammering wide receiver early and often, and that you know the the later round in the rookie we just we just talked about Tavis Murray but the later round in the rookie running backs are plentiful and I, I think they're going to be in line for kind of more impact or more opportunity so basically that's a long way of saying I'm hitting wide receiver early and going running back later because I, I really like some of those guys and I, I just gave some examples of, of guys that I'm really steering away from I, I'm not going to really touch Mike Mike Williams inside the top 30 I'm not going to touch Jarvis Landry inside there and I, I know I've seen all this stuff Jarvis Landry is good he may be good but um, he's not going to be seeing the ball very much, or not near as much as he had been. Um, AJ Green, there's too much question there for me. Sammy Watkins, I loved before Tyreek Hill came back. Um, Christian Kirk, that's a whole nother topic, but boy, I'm not as high on Arizona as everybody else. And then kind of the, the Curtis Samuel has risen, and Corey Davis, I just don't think is good. Those, those are the kind of guys. I have, I have problems with a lot of the guys in 24 to 40. See, I I really don't at all. Um, I would be perfectly fine with um, going running back, running back, tight end, running back, and getting you know an Allen Robinson or Elshon Jeffrey, D.D. Westbrook, Curtis Samuel, Sterling Shepard. Those are all guys that I would be I'd be happy with. Um, obviously, you'd be kind of setting yourself up to. Um, possibly be at a little bit of a disadvantage at the wide receiver spot, but I do think that there's the ability to get some some PPR guys later in the draft, uh, maybe make up for that. So I think it depends on how you're attacking. Uh, but if you can get two bell cow running backs, um, you know that are going to get maybe as many targets as some of the mid-tier wide receivers to go along with their um, rushes. Uh, I'm still I'm hunting for the for the Belco three down back. There's not that many of them. Well, that's my that's my problem. Like maybe that's feasible to a degree if you're picking you know late in the first round and you've got some guys marked, but if you end up with Barkley or Zeke or Kamara, um, even you know CMC, you're not getting a Belco running back at the back end. Do, you could possibly get, you know, like an Aaron Jones or a Leonard Fournette. And I and both of those guys would not fit my description of bell cow running backs. So, yeah, I like I am out. I, I'm thinking about it like if you want a, a guy that I feel like is worth that kind of move, um, I'm looking at, you know, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, James Connors. Those are like the later guys. And sometimes they, you know, slip into the second round, but it would have to be at 10 or 11 or 12. Well, we can all draft the same, can we? That, well, that's true. So, for you, your second one, okay? Well, the Jets, you know, they're going to follow through on upping their pace, you know, and your, your notes on this are that you think it could be fantasy gold. Yeah. I um, read an article the other day about how Adam Gase wants to uh, increase the pace of play for the, um, for the Jets, and I think that could be, you know, really good fantasy-wise for the passing game. Um Sam Darnold going off the board at QB 22. Uh, that would be just a, a complete steal if they are in the top third of um, teams with in terms of plays run. Uh, I think that depending on Robbie Anderson's health, uh, he's got two receivers, Robbie Anderson and Jameson Crowder, that uh, could be... Um, 
could could wind up being much higher um, finishing than their ADP. And, you know, after week, what is it, after week four, Chris Herndon comes back, and those two seem to have a really good rapport. Um, so, you know, keep keep Chris Herndon uh, either on – keep him on the waiver wire for the first couple weeks because, you know, it would be stupid to waste a, a roster spot on a suspended tight end. But uh, if you're streaming tight ends, you know, maybe pick up Chris Herndon a week or two uh, before he comes back, you know, that is with the caveat of the jets actually, you know, becoming a, a faster paced team. Yeah. Love Herndon. Uh, you know, I, that entire offense, this was a team that honestly, the hiring of Adam Gase was so ill received that, I, that they, it was almost an over, an overcorrection with fantasy value or an overreaction to where I don't think that, uh, very many of the Jets are be valuing fairly. And I don't have a problem with Herndon. I, in fact, I don't even have a problem with drafting Herndon because I think he'll be so good. Quietly broke records last year, you know, as a rookie. I think he'll be so good down the stretch that I, I don't even have a problem streaming somebody for the first three weeks just waiting for him to come back. Yeah, if you don't have a very um, – I I don't know if woke would be the, the term, but if you're not drafting with very sharp people, you could maybe even – draft Darren Waller and Chris Herndon in the last two rounds of your draft um, and roll that way. I like it. No, no tight ends till the last two rounds. So uh, kind of preseason, again, some of it isn't even directly related to NFL, but just going through these drafts, you know, at the end of the preseason, one of my takes is just um, the vet upside quarterbacks after round six or seven is the way that I'm, that I'm loving to go. Whenever I put together a team with an early guy, even your guy, Deshaun Watson, I, I don't like how it turns out. And to be honest, people like Breeze and Jameis and Lamar Jackson are falling so late, even Phillip Rivers, that uh, I'm totally comfortable being just mauled at quarterback if it means that my wide receivers and running backs look like they end up looking. Yeah, I, I definitely am on board there. It doesn't even have to be like a, a true veteran for me. I, I'm fine with Lamar Jackson at, at QB 13 in the 11th, uh, waiting and taking Phillip Rivers um, much, much later. Uh, and Sam Darnold, not a not necessarily a veteran, but uh, I think that he's a guy that, um, you know, is not going to be an every week starter for you, but, uh, you know, has some upside and even, even a Nick Foles. So I, I think, you know, one thing that we could be uh, a proponent of is is definitely only drafting one quarterback, uh, and possibly even just streaming because there's there's really a lot of good options here on the bottom end of your uh, draft. Yeah, and the first guy that I mentioned uh, was Drew Brees. You know, and I said he's right now at quarterback ten, and I just want to point out that he had like a small stretch of games towards the end of the season where he is just getting smashed for. People are saying, well, this is it. He tailed off. Um, but, I mean, he went for over 300 yards in Week 16. If he'd have thrown multiple touchdowns, uh, you know, it would have been a different story if they hadn't uh, been running the ball so well. But, you know, they lost Mark Ingram, and I know they brought in Latavius Murray. I talked about how good he is. But I still think Drew Brees, there's nothing that I've seen that says he cannot be an elite passer. There's nothing that leads me to believe that offense is not going to be elite. So going at quarterback 10 – if I'm placing my chips there, and I know it's not a popular opinion, 
but I think that I've got a better shot than not of being a top six quarterback there. Yeah, so there, there's two things that I can't get out of my head when I'm when I'm drafting, and one of them is Drew Brees got absolutely smoked on an interception return last year, and it was right before that string of games where he was not that great. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that maybe you know who knows maybe he had some cracked ribs or something. Um, you know, could be a shoulder issue. You never know. And then the other thing um, is with Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Antonio Brown led the league in uncatchable targets. And I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but it was something along the lines of, you know, everybody expects Antonio Brown to regress because he's leaving. But are we not sure that, you know, maybe it's Ben Roethlisberger that is like in for like a huge regression in terms of efficiency and talent? I mean, he's, you know, leading the leading the league in uncatchable targets to uh, Antonio Brown. So that's that's one veteran that I am just a, a touch skeptical on. Um, and I know he's not the oldest of all the veteran quarterbacks, but he has taken a beating, and um, I do wonder if he is uh, on the wrong side of father time. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, uh, I'm in it with you. It could get ugly there. And before we move on to your next one, I just want to point out that last year, Drew Brees, in the last six seasons, his best season quarterback rating, his best season in completion percentage, his best season in yards per attempt in the last six years, and he only played 15 games. So, you know, he had, you know, 6% less production than everybody else. If you add that on, I know the, the yards were lower, but it would have been closer to comparable. People forget that. He only went for 15 last year. So... I like Drew Brees, needless to say. Let's move on to your to your next one, okay? Number uh, number three on your list, you had Jameis cannot sustain top three top-level pass catchers, which I fully agree with, and I think really nobody talks about who's the odd man out. And this one's going to be exciting because we're going to pick different people. Yeah, I'm going with O.J. Howard. Um, I, I know that uh, Bruce Arians has never had a weapon like O.J. Howard, and I think it's dangerous to think that because Bruce Arians has not, hasn't really um, used his tight end that, you know, he wouldn't this year. I just think that, um, you know, if there is, if you're trying to figure out who the, who the three or who the top two are, and there is a little bit of information out there that would point you in the direction of, a tendency, it would be foolish to foolish to ignore that. And um, I think that Jameis can sustain, you know, two two top level pass catchers, and then maybe a mid level. And uh, I think that OJ Howard is the one that will maybe not return value on his draft position. And and you already know who I'm going to say, which is Chris Godwin. I mean, Mike Evans, I think, is going to be an absolute beast. And O.J. Howard, I mean, just on points per game average, was, you know, a top five tight end next year. And would have, you know, would have been even higher if Eric Ebron hadn't scored a mythical amount of touchdowns that is not going to repeat. And this is in 10 games. You know, he, he was top 10 tight end, playing only 10 games. 
I know that Bruce Arians historically has has he's had terrible tight ends though, and OJ Howard is not. You know, one of the best tight ends in the NFL, honestly. And the people going ahead of him, and that's probably where um, I, I run into issues is there are guys getting drafted ahead of him that I'm just not confident. And like I love that Jared Cook went to New Orleans, um, or well, I guess he's right right around right. I met the guys right behind him. Like I'm not going to take Jared Cook over OJ Howard. So yeah, he costs a little more, but. And on the other side, Godwin, it's possible. Uh, Mike Evans, I think, is going to see a blind share of the targets. Um, you know, he's going to run out of that slot, and he'll be good there. But uh, I don't know if that's an expensive price to pay for a guy that that we've honestly not ever seen be amazing. I just uh, tend to disagree. I think that, you know, Chris Godwin is uh, in the third year. Uh, there's a lot of times that's when receivers really make a huge jump and you know i could see they're not the same type of players but it's kind of like a a marvin harrison reggie wayne type thing um where you're just going to have two really high level receivers on the same offense okay well you know agree to disagree the nice thing is that i I think it's fair to say that one of us is is going to be right there um so for me number four buddy and this one, we don't even have to spend a lot of time in, on. I just I read a lot of stuff this week about Jacoby Brissett, and I think people aren't putting together how bad his coaching and grooming situation was when when we saw him play the last time. You know, dude, uh, Chudzinski that had flamed out in Cleveland. And so, I mean, it's just ugly. So, assuming that Jacoby Brissett is even a decent quarterback in that division, I I think the Colts are going to be fine. You know, I'm not downgrading anybody a ton there. Um, I don't think that Jacoby Brissett is as bad as some people have made him out to be this week, but I do think that the Texans and the Jaguars and the Colts are all about equal now, whereas before I thought the Colts were a shoe-in for winning that division. Now now I think it's uh, an interesting battle, but I, I definitely don't think that all is lost for the Colts. So, and and I, I just, I'm curious, because when we talk about where he's going to go, and you know, he's that, uh, especially in two QB or super flex leagues, he's that guy. And so, like Jacoby Brissett, um, right around like Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold, uh, you know Carr, Dalton. I th- I think that that's fine. And the one that's going right around him that it cracks me up. People are think it's just heresy that Matt Sta- you know Matthew Stafford is going so late. But uh, in my mind, uh, that's fine to me. They're about on par, especially when you consider upside. Um. Yeah, I would have them probably in the middle of the group that you said. I, I mean. It's 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 tough because you don't know how Frank Reich will change things up, you know, in terms of pace of play and how much they're throwing and things like that. So you've got the wide receiver to own in Green Bay, but signs of Devontae Adams is question mark. So I'll be curious to see, uh, you know, which side of this you land on. So... Pretty much all off season, I was thinking MVS, but there's a small, small part of me now that thinks, why not just take Jake Kumaro in the last round? 
it, it seems like Aaron Rodgers goes out of his way to mention Jake Kumro all the time. And what if what if Jake Kumro is just like his guy? You know, like he he develops like guys that aren't that aren't super athletic and aren't like unbelievable route runners or you know like Donald Drivers and Greg Jennings like people who just aren't good without Aaron Rodgers what happens if you know you you miss out on Adams and MVS and Allison and you just say yeah you know what fuck it I'm going to take Jake Kumro in the last round you know I, I think that he might have the most upside on on the in terms of Green Bay wide receivers not named Devontae Adams at his ADP. That was not at all. I was completely prepared for a, a totally different argument here. Um, I thought all of a sudden you were going to jump on uh, the wide, the, you know, you were going to jump on the Geronimo Allison train. Geronimo Allison. So I, I guess I hear you. Um, you make sense in that I agree he's made some players great that probably would not have been great without him, but I'm still all in on MBS. I've taken him, you know, I started off taking him as my wide receiver 6'5", and I moved into a place where at this point I've drafted him as my wide receiver 4 if I have to. I'm, I'm that convinced 6'4", unbelievable speed, a great compliment. We saw him, he was great as a rookie. He only got pounded on because people, he played so damn much, people forgot he was a rookie. I, I expect him to be even better this year. I expect that offense to be even better because, to be honest, the play calling can't be worse. Um, MBS is a guy I think is uh, going to be that sneaky guy who's going to be a top 36 player. I, I mean, I don't disagree. I, I think that he has he probably has the most upside in general. I just think that if you get, get a little shy about his rising ADP, um, that wouldn't hurt to – you know, take Jake Kumro in the same manner. You know, it doesn't hurt to take like a Ted Ginn or a Trey Quan Smith. Sometimes, if you have, if there's a offense that you expect to be prolific, you know, why not throw a dart at a receiver that that could possibly step in in you know the right set of circumstances. Um, you know, it's not necessarily like it's not handcuffing receivers, but you know, you're it's like you're you're buying a little little share of that passing attack for a, a cheap price. That well, it's not going to cost you much. I, I I will I guess I will agree with you there, my man. Uh, last one, kind of banking off Twitter love a little bit here. San Francisco. I have a question about why we love them or why Twitter as a whole loves them, and then Arizona, Cleveland, and Houston are all fantasy hotbeds, and I, I wanted to get your take on. Just watching them in the preseason and how awful their lines are, you know, especially Cleveland. Um, I mean, that's a real thing. Like, if they can't block anyone, you know, that is going to make fantasy points more difficult to come by, especially if their quarterbacks are getting killed. Yeah, it's uh, offensive lines are very important to the functioning of of an offense, and a lot of it. You know, stems from you know, what happens on first down. Um, if if plays on first down are getting blown up in the backfield, um, you know you're you're setting your offense up to fail. Um, so I definitely think that you have to downgrade 
every offensive player, you know, in that is dealing with um, with a poor offensive line play. Uh, it's just you know sometimes I think you have to kind of maybe wait a little bit to see how it actually plays out in the in the regular season. I know a lot of these teams that have questionable offensive line play. Uh, they do make a lot of roster moves right around now. I know the, you know the Browns have traded for several players, uh, and the Patriots have made a couple moves for offensive linemen. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of teams are definitely trying to shore up their offensive line right now. So I think that you have to pay attention to the moves that are occurring at this time, and and then maybe uh, you know make your final determinations. I believe waivers clears maybe this weekend or so. And, you know, you can do that that way. And so what I want to point out is your boy Deshaun Watson, who was sacked 65 times last year, you know, which is just an incredible number. And if you go back, you know, the last decade plus and look at it, I mean, the leader in sacks is, you know, 52, 51, you have to go all the way back to 2005, non-ironically. It's the same team. And it was David Carr who got sacked 68 times That you know beyond that. Deshaun Watson, I had a thought the other day, and they're not the same kind of player. But if he keeps getting hit like this, and by the way, the Texans line is still shitty. Um, you know, you may have another uh, Andrew Luck on your hands, a guy who's hanging him up, up early because he just is getting beaten hurt every year. Yeah, you'd have to think that if they actually follow through on trading Jadavian Clowney, it's, it has to be for some offensive line help. Yeah, no, absolutely, which is why the, you know, the, the Tunsil thing kind of made sense, right? Um, so, you know, you got your final one here. Running back and wide receiver outside the top eight, at, you know, in ECR at their position, that's the best chance to finish number one overall, okay? So... Um, what guys do we think are being drafted as either low-end wide receiver ones or not even wide receiver ones at all that have a chance to hit that number one spot? So I'm going to let you lead off here, and you, you can give uh, – I, I don't want to let you lead off here because I know who you're going to say, and it's going to snake me a little bit, but go for it. You know what? Because I know that you have my back on this one, I'll say Damian Williams. Um, you know, he's a, a much maligned guy, but um, – you know, I think that he is the number one uh, running back in the number one offense in football. Uh, you know, it would just it would make a lot of sense for him to, you know, possibly become the RB one this year. A lot so of people let, are a lot of people are high on Darwin Thompson. I know you are not. I've seen the tweets, but is there a world where you think this ends up in some kind of committee? No, no. Why would you have a committee? He, I mean, he's tiny. Uh, uh, there's no, there's no way that, that I just don't understand why he would be in a committee. Um, you know, Damian Williams is faster than him, bigger than him. Um, it, it just it wouldn't make wouldn't make a lot of sense. But I understand what you mean. Why would you take someone who is s- slower, much smaller, and not as good, and put them in a committee? Right. I don't know. I, I, especially, I don't know. especially when you're Andy Reid, who's historically never had a committee. So you're going to break your tendency for the first time in in your coaching career 
for a guy that split carries at Utah State last year? Yes, it, it does seem unlikely. I'm, you know where I'm going to go, and I'm 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 going right back to the well. Uh, this isn't even that unlikely to me, if I'm being honest. Like, it would be reasonable if Dalvin Cook finished as the running back one. Kirk Cousins actually played really well last year. Minnesota's, you know, tertiary parts just didn't get the job done, and neither did their defense. But they have two of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Maybe, you know, you can argue the best wide receiver tandem or certainly one of them. Um, he is an electrifying running back. We all saw that, you know, huge, was it 85-yard touchdown run? Um, I don't know. I passed out in the middle of it. Yes, you did. that, And went into a post-eject coma. Um, but I'll say this. When they showed him celebrating, good God, that dude's arms are huge. He's looking like Robert T. Gunn's turban. And uh, he is unbelievable catching the ball. He's kind of got that video game wiggle and in that straight line speed, too. When he's gone, he's just gone. They're going to be a run first team. Um, you know, their line is, is actually pretty good. I could see it all coming together. For sure. Let's, let's do our wide receivers yeah. now. Who is it? You know, I'm going to say Keenan Allen. Um, you know, depending on Melvin Gordon holds out, you know, I could see Keenan Allen maybe leading the league in targets in an offense that is one of the most throw-heavy, um, you know, in the NFL. Okay, Keenan Allen. All right, so I cheated again, and that's one of the, the benefits of being able to record the show on my side. So I've got two. And the first one I'm going to give you is Tyler Lockett. Okay. Tyler Lockett, I know, I understand. But Tyler Lockett was damn near a top 12 receiver last year and and was in half-point PPR. He was the top 11 wide receiver. Uh, Seattle lost basically the guy who vacuumed up 30% of the targets in Doug Baldwin. Um, I, I get that Tyler Lockett scored a crazy amount last year, but it's also really possible that Tyler Lockett is just very good and began playing like the wide receiver one that I think he can be. They're in an offense that will have to throw more this year because their defense is not going to be near as good. We've seen that they can run the ball. And if his targets, if he gets 10 to 15% of, you know, maybe 20% of Doug Baldwin's work, um, he'll have a target share that rivals somebody who can flirt with it, especially if he keeps that monster touchdown equity. And, the other one I'm going to throw out there is it's somewhat silly, but it's fine. It's, he's done it before, Josh Gordon. You know, Tom Brady, he plays all 16 games. He's unbelievable. He's still relatively young, and uh, we've seen he can consistently make plays. He's on one of the best teams in the NFL, um, and, and they, they have a running game now, so teams are going to have to account for that. Yeah, I mean, I like that you went with a couple of hot takes there. Um I think that Tyler Lockett is is definitely somebody that uh, could possibly make a pretty big jump this year. So good on you for throwing it out there. Let me ask you this then before we get out of here. It feels like you're pulling punches on me right here now, which is nice. But of the two of these guys, if I were to say that I believe one of them finishes as a top 10 guy, which one do you think is more likely? Oh, Tyler Lockett all the way. All the way? Yeah, I don't. I I think that – I think that people want Josh Gordon to succeed because they feel like he got fucked because 
smoking weed and, and getting punished for it is really stupid. But it's been a long time since he was like, I mean, I know he was like pretty good last year when he played, but he wasn't like outstanding. I mean, I think that Tyler Lockett was better. Okay, well, I mean, I I would agree. I think Tyler Lockett is better. I just think it's important to remember this guy for the longest time has just been so in and out of football, in and out. And at least the last you know, in the last half a year or so, he's gotten some football, and he's still only twenty eight. You know, uh, he's a big dude and somebody really exactly what the Patriots need. So I, I understand that it is not overly likely, but you know what? I do think that it's inside of the range of outcomes, my friend. There you go. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope uh, preseason treated you and your teams well. And if you're drafting, please check out. Go to our site and get our draft supplement. It's free. We have all the ranks there, a ton of good articles. Uh, and, again, go back and listen to the show with uh, Dominic Petrillo, Jake Olson. It's a, a really interesting take on fantasy and on life in general. Uh, I'm Adam. He's Andy. Andy, uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you know, just find me on Twitter at Andy Ferris FF and, and definitely uh, go back and, and listen to that episode if you haven't. All right, everybody. Uh, good luck heading into you know week one in your drafts, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.